Now imagine if, um, in uh, 12 months' time, say, uh, Grace Church Dustin, instead of um, uh, growing larger, had actually shrunk at uh, half its current size. So children, imagine if, instead of um, uh, more friends here your age, there were uh, half as many. If that happened, well, I guess we'd want to do some serious thinking, wouldn't we? we, we we'd speak to those who'd left to find out um, uh, what made them want to leave. And imagine we find out that, you know, it's, it's not um, uh, because of um, uh, the refreshments, uh, it's, not, it's not the welcome, it's not the abrasive pastor or his boring preaching. Uh, it, it's actually the, the teaching, the content of the teaching itself. Now, if that happened, I wonder how you'd feel about it. I wonder how I'd feel about it. I doubt um, many of the members here are expecting that to happen. But what we uh, read just now in our Bible passage is about that sort of thing happening to Jesus himself and and his little church. Uh, Verse um, uh, 66, if you've closed your Bibles, open back up, page 1071, and and kids, there's... um, uh, there's some uh, activities for, for you to get going on. If you uh, listen carefully, you can fill, fill in those sheets. Uh, but verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 66, on page 1071, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And why did that happen? And Jesus is a pretty uh, great leader to be able to follow, right? And why did people turn back and stop following him? Well, um, uh, because, and this is our first point, and this is why we shouldn't be um, uh, massively surprised if it happens to us as well. Jesus' teaching is offensive. Jesus' teaching is offensive. Verse, um, verse 60, back at the beginning of our reading. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Uh, where the, his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then verse uh, 64, uh, there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went, to, went on to say, this is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father had enabled, has enabled them. From this time, many of us have turned back and no longer followed him. So it is the uh, offensiveness of Jesus' teaching that means that, 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 that even those who had been following him and saw his miracles... And like we've been thinking about the last few weeks, the, the feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children with uh, a, a boys' pet lunch, even those who'd experienced that stopped following him because his teaching is so offensive. Now, what was it that, about his teaching that, that, that's so offensive that it makes people fly in the face of all evidence and proof uh, and logic and, and, and reject Jesus? Well, Jesus' uh, teaching has been extraordinary. If you've been here the last few weeks, uh, you'll have um, uh, uh, noticed um, all sorts of things that Jesus is saying about himself and his hearers. So back in um, verse 32, uh, just um, uh, on the other side of uh, of the the page, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, he's saying um, he is replacing the great Jewish hero, Moses. Uh, everything that they, they um, uh, had built their lives on. Or, or verse uh, 35, 
Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. In verse 38, I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying, he's come from heaven. And he's on a, on a totally different level uh, to, to everyone else. Because he's existed eternally. He was with God before, and so uh, as, we, um, as we interact with him, we don't do so as equals. And that, that's, a, that's a big thing to say. We, we, we must do so as humbly as relating to, to God. Verse 46, no one has seen the Father except the one who's from God. Only he has seen the Father. He alone truly knows God. Nobody can argue with him. He's, he's not just the world expert on God, he's the only one with any knowledge at all. And perhaps most offensive at all, verse, uh, most offensive of all, verse 53, and Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Without Jesus, he's saying, we can have no life. We are as good as dead. Remarkably offensive. So imagine trying to say that to someone that you just met. And the, the, the reason that it's so offensive is that none of us likes being told uh, we're wrong. Wrong in uh, what we think or wrong in what we do. And Jesus does both, doesn't he? Uh, in, in our day, in our culture especially, it's seen as unkind, isn't it, to ever say or even imply that someone else might be wrong about something. Uh, it's, um, it's intolerant. It's even sometimes labelled uh, incorrectly as abuse. But Jesus' teaching is, in its very nature, challenging. He claims absolute authority, unique perfection, and demands utter obedience. And of course, we will find that painful if we're engaging with it really and deeply and personally. Um, just, just to get a flavour of it, imagine a conversation between um, me and Frank. Neil, come, come up here. Um, uh, uh, imagine um, uh, Neil is my friend. <laughs> um, uh, so can you just pretend to be my friend for a moment? And, uh, and we're having a conversation. Um, and imagine this conversation. Uh, I say, look, Neil, um, I love you, but you're wrong about everything that you've ever thought. And um, what you've done in the past, and what you're doing now, and what you're planning to do, is also all wrong. It's horrible. It's, it's really awful. And I want you to change it all. Um, and, and, um, and actually, in, in everything that, that, that you're living for, you've been missing the point. Okay, Neil, you go and sit down. How, 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 do you think, how do you think Neil feels? Um, do you think that was a, a, a really nice way of relating, or do you think that was offensive? Offensive, right. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have been hard, hard to take. And don't mishear me, I'm not saying I ought to say any of those things to my friends. I don't, I don't have um, the right to speak in that way. And Jesus warns us pretty strongly, doesn't he, about um, removing the speck from a brother's eye without um, very careful... Uh, work beforehand because we've all got planks in our own uh, so we need to make sure that we aren't in the way we relate to others causing unnecessary offense but Jesus is very wise and very loving 
And he does say things a bit like that, doesn't he? And he is right to, because he comes with the authority of, and the insight of, God himself. He created us, he loves us, he wants us to be what we were made to be. So he speaks plainly to us. And we all find that offensive. No wonder statistics say that um, uh, so many, 20,000 a year are leaving the Church of England, for instance. And there might be all sorts of reasons. But, but in a sense, we are to expect people to leave church, to leave Jesus. Is that what we expect? Do we expect, if we're um, Christian believers here, here today, as we pass on uh, the, the um, truths that we've learned about Jesus, do we expect to find lots of people offended and driven away? Or when we try and tell people about Jesus and then they don't like what we're saying, does that make us think we're doing something dreadfully wrong? Um, or or, or we're, we're rubbish at sharing the gospel and so give up doing it? It's a question of expectations, isn't it? Remember, that's what happened when Jesus was teaching on earth too. Do we expect that, um, that Grace Church Dustin will, will meet the, the disappointment of people leaving, as well as, at the same time as, others uh, coming and joining and following Jesus' teaching and the church growing? Do we expect both to be happening? And children, do, do you get this? Not all the people that you tell about Jesus will like what you're saying. But I think there's also a, a more kind of uh, personal note, if I can put it, put, it, put it that way here as well. Do we expect to be offended by Jesus' teaching? Uh, even Christian believers who've been Christians for a long time, do we expect to be pained? I think this passage makes us think we ought, we ought to be. The twelve... Uh, Disciples that who relate to the apostles don't deny that Jesus' teaching is hard or offensive when he asks them, do they? If we're encountering Jesus' words personally, deeply, and sharing them with one another in real life, we will inevitably find it hard and painful because he demands change, and change in its very nature is painful. He's pointing out what's wrong with us, things we need to let go of. And by the way, one of the key ways that he does that is through other members of the church family. He warns us about carelessly um, uh, taking the speck out of a brother's eye, but he expects us to do it as long as we're doing it ourselves, having it done to us. So do we expect to be challenged and rebuked Hold off. Do we, do we hope for brothers and sisters to draw alongside us with a loving arm around the shoulder and, and point out something which isn't quite right in our lives? Are we hoping for that? Or are we angry when someone does that, tries to correct us and defensive? Yes, it's painful, but if we want to follow Jesus, we want our lives to change, to be in line with his teaching then we need to be willing to embrace the, the, the offence and the pain of Jesus' words. The alternative is we leave. Uh, there are times when Jesus asks us, like in chapter 6, you do not want to leave too, do you? 
perhaps um, you've known that that's been a struggle of yours, uh, weighing up that question. Is it worth actually obeying what Jesus says here, or am I just going to ignore him, leave him behind? Perhaps continue to go through the motions, but really leave Jesus behind. Jesus' teaching is offensive. It's really important for us to get that. And, and then, in order to, to help us with that, there are two other things that this passage shows us, which are so, so important for us to grasp. Firstly, Jesus' teaching is true. Yes, Jesus' teaching is offensive, but it is true. So um, have a look back at verse 61 again. Uh, whether his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend... To where he was before. Uh, now you might have puzzled about that as as, um, as Rachel was reading it. Um, he's not saying, I don't think. He's probably not saying, if this offends you, you just wait until I go up to heaven. That will really offend you. Um, although it, it's possible, if, you know, if you find Jesus claims to lordship difficult to stomach now, how much more when he's reigning the universe at his father's right hand. But, but I think much more likely, what, what I think he's really saying is, if you're finding this difficult to take, one thing that will really help you is when you see that I've been raised from the dead and you watch me ascend before your eyes into the sky to go out to be with God in heaven. In, in other words, you'll, you'll know that my teaching is true when you see what happens to me in the end. You'll see that all of my claims about myself and, and what I can change about your life are true uh, when you see what happens to me. And, and that's true for us too. When we feel like the cost of Jesus' teaching is too high, if we're tempted to walk away, we just need to look at what Jesus did. Look at the empty tomb. Look at where Jesus is now. Jesus' teaching was right. He said it was going to happen in advance. And he was proved to be right. I guess there's um, a similar thing going on again in verse 70 as well. Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Now the fact that he knew what was going to happen with Judas before it happened helps us know that his words can be trusted, even if they're difficult and painful. And when people reject him, when we watch um, the world and see so many rejecting Jesus, it doesn't mean that he's probably wrong because we think the majority must be right. No, it, it means that he's right because that's exactly what he said would happen. His teaching will offend. People will reject him. Jesus' teaching is true. And he's proved it again and again and again. And, um, and sometimes um, uh, the truth matters a lot more than we think it does. Uh, especially in our day and age. Um, let me just um, get a couple of things here. Um, I've, I've brought from home um, uh, two things. Can anyone see what they are? Anyone know what these are? <coughs> Kyle? One of, honey, one, of one of them's honey. This isn't sugar. No. Anyone know what it is? We don't, we don't normally... Canadian maple syrup. That's right. Um, you see, it comes in a can, not like in the UK, partly because there's just so much of it in Canada. Um, now, um, uh, um, we, have, we have a Canadian living in our house, 
And, um, and so we, we, we've talked about which is better, maple syrup uh, or honey. Uh, hands up if you think uh, honey. Honey! Hands up if you think maple syrup. <laughs> we're, Cana- we're Canadian at heart. Um, uh, now, um, if you believe that, that maple syrup is better than honey, or honey is better than maple syrup, that's just a matter of opinion. It's not, it's not that one is better, Danny. I know it can make you upset when other people disagree with you, but it's just a matter of preference. Some people will prefer one, some people will prefer the other. But there is a different sort of disagreement, isn't there? Uh, there are other disagreements um, uh, which aren't just a matter of opinion. So can I have a, a, a volunteer? Can I have Jerome? Um, okay, so... Um, uh, Jerome... Imagine if you didn't believe this wall over here really existed. Okay? So try really hard to believe that. There's no wall. Mind over matter, you know, people say that works. Believe there's no wall, and then try and walk through it. <laughs> well done, thank you. The wall's still okay, so I'm assuming you're okay. Well done. Um, you see, there are some things which... Whether you believe them or not isn't the point, because they're just true. And you'll hurt yourself if you pretend that the truth isn't real. Now, the people around us want to say that Jesus is like maple syrup or honey. But it's, it's obviously not the case, right? It's like whether the wall is there or not. Jesus did or did not come from God. He did or did not come back to life. He did or did not go up into heaven and reign, the uni- reign over the universe with his father. And he's proven that what he's taught is true, that, that he really is, he really did. And this week, Alison and I had a conversation with a, a really nice lady called Tracy. And when it came to Jesus, Tracy said, um, look, people just believe what works for them. Um, uh, there were some things about, about which she said, look, look, I know this is true because of the things that I've experienced. But when it came to, when it came to um, uh, claims about Jesus, she was adamant it's just a matter of opinion. I'm sure you've come across the same sort of thing if you've had conversations with people about Jesus. Uh, what this passage reminds us of is Jesus is telling the truth. The alternative is that he's lying or wrong, not, not it's a matter of opinion. Uh, his words are, are false or they are true. But all the things he predicted came true about himself, about other people, about Judas. And all the things that he says about me ring true and are true in my life. Because what he says is true, we can know that everyone needs Jesus. It's not just if you fancy not just those already following him, not just those who are that way inclined. Everyone needs Jesus. Now, of course, another thing that it means for us, if if Jesus' teaching is true once and for all, we mustn't shift on the truth. Jesus says that, that all of the words in this book come with his authority. So that means we mustn't let our instincts or our culture around us, or even persuasive church leaders, move us from what the Bible says. Jesus' teaching is true. And that will help us cope with the, 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 the offence and the pain that it, it, it brings to us. 
But the other thing we need to know if we'll keep persevering with Jesus' teaching uh, is, um, is the final thing we're going to see uh, today, the most glorious thing, I think, that this passage shows us. It, and that's that Jesus' teaching is not only true, Jesus' teaching brings life. Okay? And we've seen in previous weeks that um, Jesus is the, the bread of life and that the Spirit gives life. But, but look down at verse um, 63. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Uh, so here he's specifying it is his words that bring life. Actually, in the original, uh, it's not that the words are full of the Spirit and life. It's that the words are Spirit and life. The words are life. And verse 67, oh, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Remember that one of the offensive things that Jesus has been saying is that without him, we have no life. We need him to, to have life. We get that life from him via his words. Uh, remember last week, um, we had a hose pipe. Uh, I left it here. I don't know what happened to it. Maybe it got thrown away. Oh, it's in Owen's car. There we go. Um, uh, but that hose pipe wasn't connected to the water. Uh, so, so no water was coming out of it. It's only when you connect it to the water that it can, it can do its job. As, as water uh, flows through it. And the water flowing through the hose pipe is Jesus' words. It is the life that we get. It is only in as much as we have Jesus' words in us that we have life. And the more we have those words in us, the more we'll experience that life. So a few questions, I think, flow from that for us. Do we think that way about Jesus' words? Do we think that way about the Bible? If I'm feeling down... Do I think what I need is Jesus' words to restore life into my soul? Or I'm feeling tired. What I need is, is to spend time in the Bible to give me life, to invigorate me. I'm, I'm, I'm drifting. What, what I need is to meditate on some verses from the Scriptures to give me a purpose in life. Jesus' words are the great solution to the problems of this world. Because his words are life. So, don't leave his teaching. Don't leave him. And leaving him means leaving his teaching, ignoring his voice. Instead, draw closer to Jesus by listening more carefully to his words. Pay careful attention in, in, um, in sermons. On, on the table over there, we've got a little booklet called Listen Up, uh, which is um, a, a great help. Uh, I don't know if you've done much thinking about how to listen to sermons. Uh, it's a, the, that booklet is a great help to think it through, even with a section on boring preachers. So if you remember here, you'll find it particularly useful. Um, and that's true whether we are a follower of Jesus or not. If you want to experience this life, what you need is his word. So listen and get into the habit of, of reading the Bible uh, or listening to it day by day by day. I know it's hard. Uh, I know we all have excuses uh, why we don't do that. 
Uh, I, uh, I, I've, um, uh, if, um, if she'll permit me to say something embarrassing about her, I've been really encouraged by my wife, Alison, recently. Um, because, you know, she's really tired dealing with the kids uh, up in the night, several times every night, basically. And, um, and kids are exhausting and demanding during the day as well. So, um, so she's exhausted. Uh, but because she's uh, tired and there's so much to focus on during the day, she's ma- made the decision actually to get up earlier rather than as late as possible, um, half an hour before she was before, so that she can spend some quality time reading the Bible. Because she needs that even more than she needs sleep. It certainly leaves me with little excuse. I don't know about you. But think what happens uh, if we do make that sort of a decision to, to get Jesus' words into us when the light that Jesus' words provide fill our minds and our our hearts and our our conversations with friends and our our prayers and our our teaching of our children and our our Facebook or Instagram posts and and our thinking and planning about what to do and, and so on. That's when we find that our lives are once again full of meaning and excitement and passion and purpose. That's when we'll find ourselves truly alive. And by the way, if, if you've come along uh, today with a friend and you're not yet following Jesus yourself, this is so important to realise. Not, not only are we saying investigate it and you'll find out that it's true, which is right, we're also saying try it, try it out and you'll find that it's good. That it brings life. Look at the lives of, um, of Christian believers that you know and see if it's true that they have something that you don't. A flourishing, regardless of the circumstances that go up and down. A life bubbling up from within that's inextinguishable. Jesus' words, he says, give life. They're offensive, but they're true and life-giving. And so, of course, Grace Church might shrink. Our Bible teaching uh, will put people off. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to us. But at the same time, we expect to find Jesus bringing us more and more to life and bringing others to life with us as well. And as his word, Jesus' uh, teaching, uh, challenges our lives, reshapes our thinking and gives life to those who are dying of spiritual hunger, we will know more and more what truth there is in it, what life there is, and so that we'll never leave him behind. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in Jesus' words we have the truth by which we might have life. Please make each one of us here today those who listen to Jesus' words and are changed by them deep down. We pray in his name. Amen.